the sounds of voices going back and forth, greeting each other in the name of Christ. I hope we capture that from time to time on, on audio. That's a beautiful sound. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> it's good to be here. Um, so if you have your Bibles, please open them to Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, and that will be our passage for this morning. For some of you, perhaps you're unaware that this is a long uh, series that we've been involved in, a long, life-transforming, heart-enabling joy um, in the Sermon on the Mount, and that extends from chapter 5 through chapter 7. And so now we're getting to um, closing in on the, the end of it, and it's a bittersweet uh, because we've really enjoyed as a church to be in the Sermon on the Mount for so long. So uh, today it's my uh, joy and my task to uh, bring us into um, a, um, a change, a slight pivot in Jesus' uh, preaching in chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. And to do that, I wanted to start with a quote um, I really enjoy C.S. Lewis, and so uh, if I need a quote, I generally go to C.S. Lewis, and he always has good quotes. But this one was very interesting. I didn't really go to him for any kind of quote or whatnot. I was just enjoying uh, a reading from him, and I, I picked up an essay, and the essay was titled, is titled, Is Theology Poetry? Now just, just think about that title. Doesn't that just almost make you kind of salivate a little bit? Just is theology poetry? And so it, it moved me into this essay, and it was a, an exquisite read. And he, he argued uh, about how, how theology, the narrative, the big art narrative of, of the Christian message, of the Bible in its totality, um, is, is so alluring that it, that it causes us to move into the storyline of the Bible and, and it, it accesses our imagination in, in very poetic ways that incite us to lift up voice and lift up hearts and lift up lives to the glory and praise of God. It's an excellent essay. I would commend it to your reading. But the last sentence gripped me. He ends it by saying this, he says, I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen. Not merely because I can see it, but rather by it, I can see everything else. Think about that just for a moment. So this morning, I really wanted to enter into that. And I went out at 5.30 this morning. And guess what I saw? nothing. It was pitch black in my backyard as the dogs were frolicking and whatnot. And I knew that there was a, uh, a tree line. I knew that there was a fence line. I knew that there was a garage, and I couldn't see anything. And then I went out again right around 7.15, 7.30 this morning, and now I start seeing a, a silhouette, right, of, of these trees gently blowing in a breeze. And then, and then I saw the, the uh, fence line with ivy on it, but I couldn't quite see that it was ivy, though I knew it was ivy, but I, it just looked weird. And then I saw, you know, the outline of, 
the garage and I said, I'm starting, I'm starting to see why, how. The sun was starting to come up over the horizon and sunrise is going to hit. And so guess where I was at about 8.10 this morning? I'm in my backyard, just getting ready to come here, but I had to go back out, and I saw everything else because I saw the sun. The sun had risen. This morning, we're going to look at a passage. You could look at it as like seeing clearly, uh, the, the ability to assess and assign value, the ability to, to measure and weigh and evaluate accurately. Discernment is vital in the Christian life. We are not to be simpletons. We are to grow in grace and grow in wisdom so that we can actually see reality and call a spade a spade and, and, and look at things and define things rightly and accurately. And that's what we're going to look at. But Jesus does this in a very... Jesus-like way. He loves metaphors. He loves word pictures. So six verses is all we're going to look at today, but it is chock full of metaphors. It just oozes with all this reality that you've got to come to terms with the author, come to terms with Jesus. In other words, define things accurately and rightly. So this morning's message will title... Judging people rightly. And what we're going to see in this is there's, there's two things that we collectively need to be in order to be judging people rightly. So will you please stand with me as I read God's Word, and I'm going to pray for us. And if you want to write down another passage, you can write down Mark chapter 8, verses 22 and following. And I'm going to pray that, that scene for us after I read this passage. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. This is the word of the Lord. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first Take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and then turn and attack you. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we want to come to you now. We want to say thank you so very much for preserving this paragraph to us down through the ages so that we can hear your voice afresh regarding our relationship one to another. If there's anyone in this room right now who can't see anything like a 5 a.m. in the morning, open their eyes through regeneration. Bring forth a newness of life, a born from above that they will see 
and turn and trust you. And that many of us are operating like a 6.15 a.m. where we can see some silhouettes and kind of see some things in each other's life and kind of understand kingdom living in a fallen world and kind of understand the, the Bible. And I, oh, oh, I pray that you will give our sight a newness that we don't just see people like trees walking, but we actually see clearly. So won't you do that kind of miracle on the eyes of our heart that we will see clearly. And all of this so that our body of believers here will be well taken care of. And that your advancement of the gospel will occur through our little group. So much so that Dayton will start seeing like never before. This is from you. This is a miracle. And so we ask that. We plead with you. And we're now dependent upon you as I open my mouth with your word and as I, we open our ears and heart to your word. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So the, uh, the title is Judging People Rightly. And that's the topic of this morning, Judging People Rightly. And so the, the theme of that is that, that we are to be two things in order to be judging people rightly. Now, as you listen to that passage read, in verses 1 and 2, you could say, that's the principle, and then 3 through 6, that's the practice. Or another way of saying it would be, here is the truth, verses 1 and 2, and now we're going to apply this truth to two examples. 3 through 5 is an example, and then 6 is an example. So that's kind of the, uh, the structure of this. But as you, as you begin to read it, you begin to see that there's some word plays going on and a lot of metaphorical language, word pictures that are all over that. So we have to come to terms with a few things before we can understand what to be in order to carry out judging people rightly. I titled it that way because I wanted... I want it for you to just have this sense of begging for a, a question that, that you ask. Like, if, is there a way of judging people not rightly but wrongly? So it starts off like this. Judge not. So that's a prohibition. He's banning Christians from judging. So why would we say judging people rightly is what we are to be doing here at Veritas? I asked an unbeliever this last week, um, is this found in the Bible? Judge not, lest you too be judged. He says, I think so, but, well, yeah, maybe. And I says, well, what does that mean? And he said, well, to me, which is interesting, to me, it means, you know, like, get out of my space. <laughs> um, don't, don't judge me, right? Right? Leave, leave my matters alone. It's not your business. Do you think that's what Jesus is telling us as a church? Shake your heads like this. It's, it's not. It's not. He's saying just the opposite. But, but why does he say judge not, lest you to be judged and and so on and so forth. So there is two types of judgment in our passage for this morning. And there's two types of people in our passage for this morning. 
And I'll give you, if time permits, two illustrations from my own personal experience that are negative, that God, by His grace, is being transforming me uh, so that I can begin to operate in this kind of passage. So judge not lest you to be judged. What he is saying is that there's a type of judgment, we call it judgmentalism, right? It's this looking at people with, with this, this critical spirit, this critical attitude, this self-righteousness looking down on people and, and criticizing them in our hearts if not through our lips, Last night we had a great uh, privilege. We don't have this too often. We have four kids. Lisa and I have four kids, and they're grown and gone. And, and last night they were all together in our house around our table. It was, an, it was an astounding joy. And when you get that kind of group together, you start getting these stories popping from, you know, the 90s. And, you know, <laughs> there's just, it, it was just fun. It was just fun. One thing that my kids like to do, and they do it uh, with kind of a, a, a smile on their face, one is with us, uh, Kara, so she might either run out of here or agree what I'm about to say. But, but we, we tend to, uh, if, we, if we come out um, in like, like clothes or whatnot, and the other kid kind of looks at him and goes, you're, you're not going out like that, are you? Like what? You know, I, don't I look Okay. Or, or a hairstyle pulled over a certain way, and it's like, you're going to look like that out there? Or That's getting close. And, and this little bumper sticker of, don't judge me. It's almost totally in our culture now, right? We laugh about it, but that's kind of where he's going with this, is this judgmentalism, this critical spirit of looking at people and judging them, Right? Almost condemning them. What are some examples that come to your mind with that? Well, we have a perspective. We all have perspectives. And if we get out on 75 and we have a perspective of a driving style, right? And we might not say it, but we're saying it in our hearts. Or we might say it, but we're in a car and they can't hear us. But we're, we're looking at styles of driving and so one might be too slow and one might be too fast and we say things in our hearts without knowing the full context right so what, what about the uh, the too too slow of driver coming out on the ramp going on to 75 and it's just like would you get going what is, what is your problem? Do you even know how to drive? And then we find out that the driver has just left the veterinarian having just put their dog down. And their, their minds are very slow right now and they're, they're nostalgic and then they're crying at times and they're just trying to get home. Or that too fast of driver. You're in the right lane, not the wrong one, and you're minding your own business, and all of a sudden, woof! Have you ever had that at 75? Yeah, you might be one of those, right? And it's like, what is their problem? 
And, and, and there's this critical, mean-spirited, downward-looking, self-puffing, righteous, like, I don't do that. Why did you just do that? And, and then we come to find out that the driver uh, is trying to get to the ER department because their 16-year-old got into a car accident, and it's very serious. We just don't know, do we? Or how about just silence? Do you feel comfortable with someone who's just kind of silent for a while? Sometimes we kind of get in our hearts going, uh, are you mad at me, or what's your problem, or start talking, or... Or how about this one? This is a good one. <laughs> facial expressions. Aren't they awesome? Now look at a facial expression when it's just totally at ease. Nothing's going on. We're not pulling it back with a buoyant smile. We're not, you know, really animated with, oh, wow, you know. And it's just, it's just there. Some people's faces are very um, alluring and sweet, and it's like, you're thinking good thoughts right now, aren't you? And some just, gosh, they just don't look happy. There's this uh, theologian um, that the elders and I know, and I'm sure many of you uh, know of him, but uh, Steve Timmis. And Steve is from the UK, and his, his face just kind of doesn't look overly appealing. And if he does an MP3, I might get an email. But it's true. It's just like, it's just not there. And he says, sometimes I'm just not, I'm just resting. My face is just resting. And people will go, are you okay? Are, are you scowling? Why, what, did I offend you? And he's going, I have no idea what you're talking about. And his face is just there. That's, a, that's one of our ways of 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 concluding quickly and that's something Jesus is banning from us it's a prohibition judge not there's an not over all of that so hairstyles clothing some of the cultural expressions you know it's it's just like you know it is what it is Judge not, lest you too be judged. But then he goes on, and, and, and you start reading about this person who has sight and able to get really close to a human being to get a speck out of their eye. And then you go into ch- in verse 6, and now he's classifying humans, and he's putting some humans in with dogs and pigs. And, and so you, he's evaluating, he's assessing, he's, he's looking at and making classification and and putting people in certain places. So certainly he's not saying moral discernment is out of the church, right? He's just saying judgmentalism is out of the church. I ban that from God's people. So what would be a judging rightly kind of interpretation here? Particularly as we see contextually, that's what's happening in verses 3 through 6. And then you go into uh, later on, about verse 14 or so, and he says, watch out for false prophets. You'll know them. You'll recognize them. There's that judgment. You'll weigh it out and you'll see it by the fruit they bear. So there's got to be a, 
a good way, a right way to judge people. And so Jonathan Pennington, in his great book on the Sermon on the Mount that we've used here time and again, gives this little snippet or a story of good judgment. And he uses a good, wise judge. And so she's listening to a case, and and she's listening. There's no interruptions. She's listening and taking in. Might have a question or two speaking less and, and asking more kind of approach. And she listens, and then she collects, and then she discerns, right? So she's now weighing things out, and then she starts determining things, and then deciding things, and then dispensing judgment. And when you hear judgment, you think of condemnation mostly. But there's another sense of justice that's not condemnation, but rather it's, it's providing victory and success and safety and solace and goodness for the victim. That's justice, right? And then on this side, the one who was the perpetrator or the pervert or the one in the wrong gets guilt, sentence, condemnation, but the the good judge works in it listening and and weighing and then deciphering and then deciding and then dispensing good judgment. Are we still on the same page? So that's what Jesus is saying in verses 1 and 2. Judge not, you too will be judged. Measure you use will be measured back to you, and so on and so forth. So that's why we're saying that Veritas Community Church needs to be judging people rightly. Now let's go to work. There are two types of people. And so this judgment now is going to go into verses 3 through 5 and then make good judgment, right? They're going to judge this person rightly. Now go down into verses 3 through 5. Can you see it? Some of you still have your eyes on me. I I don't have any texts right here on my forehead. It's all in the Bible. So now he goes into this metaphoric language about speck and log. Now we've heard this from time and again. It's, it's It's a pretty common one. And it's pretty comical if you just think about, you know, a comic strip, and and there's someone who has a little speck in their eye, and this guy comes in with this big log and says, here, let me get close to you to get that speck out, and just wipes him out with this massive log. It's funny, and yet it turns on us and goes, ooh, that's me. (laughs) So, a speck. What what is a speck in this uh, communication here in, in, in Jesus' teaching? Well, it's the, the lesser type of sin. It, it's a, a, a sight-hindering, uh, pain-producing, God-belittling kind of sin, absolutely. But then this log represents this, this, this large sin. He calls in verse 5, hypocrite, hypocrisy. And, and, and this is a mean-spirited Highly judgmental, 
I am better than you kind of approach to discipleship, getting close to a person to help them in a, in a very condescending way, you see. And, and so the speck is, is, is referring here to this, this just a, a lighter sin. All sin is awful, right? It's awful. But, but here in this context, it's, it's, a, it's a, a, a sight hindering. This person just can't quite see. It's like 6.15 in the morning, and you kind of see a little bit out there, but you don't really know what kingdom living is all about. And then you get um, another disciple of Christ who is hypocritical at this moment and gets really sharp, jagged into their lives. And he says, that's judgmentalism. And so there's a remedy for this, right? We are to judge people rightly. And to judge people rightly, we are to be two things. The first one is found in verses 1 through 5, and we'll call this be repentant. We are to be repenters. We are not people who just repent at conversion. What happens at conversion is now we can be repenters on an ongoing, regular, relational way. And so when you sense that you are judgmental, you are to be a repenter at that point. You are to take the log out of your eye. You are to repent of that. Why? Look down at the text. It'll have a purpose clause in there. So that or that you might be able to see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Judging people rightly requires us to be repentant. One thing I absolutely love to do is watch moms with small children. I got a chance to do that for 20 years with uh, my lovely bride, Lisa, and our kids. But I still do that. So watch out if you've got a little kid. I might be looking at you. I, don't worry. I'm just I'm enjoying at this moment. But in 1 Thessalonians 2.8, the Apostle Paul says, we, we came to you like a nursing mother with her children. <laughs> As a pastor, I just, I just think, oh, God, wouldn't it be awesome if we collectively, the three elders, were called nursing mothers of children. Wouldn't it be awesome? Now, he goes on to talk about fathers and, you know, we discipline. But, but there's this sense of, that is so sweet. Now watch what a mom does if the child gets a little speck in his eye. It's just a little, oh, it hurts, I can't see it. And, and the mom is very gentle and patient and kind and saying, honey, I know it hurts. You're afraid. Calm down here. Here, let me see. Oh, there is a speck there, hon. Now, now, I don't want you to blink. Trust mommy. And has this little tissue coming at the eyeball. And it's like, oh! And it just touches the speck. There, sweetie. Now blink. Better? And the kid goes, it's great. You know, and, and on and on. That's discipleship. That's judging people rightly. And you cannot judge people rightly if you've got this judgmental spirit 
out of your attitude into people's lives, right? That's what he is banning. And then he turns it around and says, now I want you to be a repenter so that we at Veritas can get really close to one another and enter into each other's lives, into those sins that are sight hindering. You can't see true righteousness. You're struggling with a particular sin. And this, this sight hindering pain producing for self and your family and others, and you're belittling God in the midst of that, people can say, no, no, come here, here, let me help, and start talking gently, accurately, deliberately, boldly, like a nursing mom with a child. Beloved, we are to be people judging people rightly. And to do that, we first need to be a repenter. Then he goes into verse 6. <laughs> that one's a, a, a jolt. It, it's like on a, a wooden roller coaster. You know, you're going, and then all of a sudden a 90 degree turn. And it feels like verse 6 is kind of jolting. But there's a connection with it. It's interpersonal relationships. The first one we can call discipleship. The second one we can call evangelism. How do we judge people rightly in relationships? Now let's go into verse 6. And this one is quite interesting. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. So chapter 7 verse 1 is do not. And then chapter 7 verse 6 is do not. And so you have to navigate these bannings so that you can understand what he's actually calling us to. Here it's do not take pearls and, and spread them out before dogs and pigs. And there's two reasons why you're not supposed to do that. The pearls are going to be stomped on and trampled on. And then these, whoever these are, dogs and pigs will go and start moving towards you and will tear you to pieces. What is that? Well, commentators are across the spectrum. But generally, when you, when you listen to some of the the top scholars working with original language and, and the um, early Judaism and all the backgrounds and whatnot, they kind of come into two groups here. One is saying that it's, it's entirely Gentiles. So when the gospel was going forth, Jesus on was, was, was walking and talking before his crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, and glorification. Um, the gospel was going to the lost um, sheep of, of Israel, right? And then once Pentecost hit in chapter 2 of Acts, then it launches to the ends of the earth, and now we're going into Gentiles. I don't think that that's it, but it's not a bad, it's, it's getting, I think, close to it. So dogs and pigs, is it just Gentiles? Some would then go to, no, it's, it's the Pharisees and the scribes, and so they're Jewish, and so you can see that in like chapter 10, you will see him launching people, launching his disciples out 
and now they're only going to the lost sheep of Israel and not the Gentiles, and, and now you're into who, who is going to greet you and who is not. Those that are like Pharisees and scribes, they're not going to do it. So just don't share whatever these pearls are to them, right? I, I think it's, it could be that as well, but, but I think just generally we can all uh, agree that, that these are um, probably unbelievers, although sometimes before my coffee, Lisa probably looks at me like, you know, one of those dogs or pigs. So maybe, maybe in the sense of, you know, you just wait for timing um, before you enter into someone's life. Uh, if they represent or resemble a dog or a pig, you know. Um, but these are probably unbelievers. And, and even more than just unbelievers, they're, they're, they're people who um, will not receive God's word. And it's very noticeable. So you see that in chapter 7 about the false teachers and whatnot. But regardless of how you look at this, these are people who are not open at all to the gospel, at all. We are not to be simpletons. We're not to be foolish with pearls. So when you look at pearls, you'll see like in, in Proverbs, it talks about the, 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 that God's wisdom and God's words are, are, are just a treasure beyond measure. And, and then when you kind of look into like Matthew chapter 13, there's this, this pearl, inestimable value, uh, treasure, pearl. And likely what it's talking about is insights and teachings that are gospel-like or the gospel itself. And so we're not to take the, 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 the preciousness of God's Word and stick it into dogs and pigs. People who are unbelievers, who are just recalcitrant, hardened, hateful, you know it kind of people. So years and years and years ago, when I was in school, um, I was out in Portland and I was um, uh, studying with some of the, the great internationally known scholars of the land and I, I was loving it. It was like taking a, a drink out of a, a fire hydrant and it's just splashing me over and over and over and over. And, and uh, there's another thing I enjoyed doing other than just reading and reciting and, and reflecting. It was to go into inner city Portland and talk to people about Jesus. Some of it went well, some of it didn't go well. But one night, a group of us went to this public square and then this group, this pack of, of guys came out from nowhere and it was either the Bloods or the Crips. I can't remember which. Now, I know I'm dating myself. I don't know if they still exist, but you know those kind of people. Hmm? And, and so I said, guys, let's go in and share the gospel. And they said, no. And I said, well, I think they need the gospel. And so I, I went in. And there was about 10 or 11 of them or so, and I started mingling. I didn't quite look like a blood or a crypt. I looked like a kid from Iowa. And, and so I started talking to them, and they started getting a little pushy and whatnot, and that's fine. We can, we can you know, talk about the gospel in that, in that context. But then the, the actual leader came over, and he said, come here. And I thought, 
this is going to be good. And he almost whispered in my ear, I'm going to give you 15 seconds to turn around and walk out of here. If you do not and you continue to talk like this, we will kill you. I, I started to believe him. Like, he really means this. And I did. I left. And I often wondered, was that a bold move? Was that like maturity on a platform for all to see? I don't think so. I would have never met Lisa. We would never had four kids. I'd never been here. And I'd, it, that would not, that's what he's talking about here. There's people who will take pearls and will trample on them. God's word is precious beyond measure. And we are to be wise with it and careful. And we love God and love his word. And to just take pearls and just throw them out to anyone indiscriminately as if that's maturity and boldness and a model for the church to follow is not good. Taking pearls and throwing them out to pigs, it's not gravel we have, guys. And they're going to take this word and say awful things about it, and they'll probably hurt you, if not tear you to pieces. It takes discernment. It takes wisdom. It takes timing in the right place without stopping us from moving into people's lives. Does that make sense? So, judging people rightly requires us to be, on the first hand, repentant. And secondly, just be careful. Know who you're talking to. Know the timing. Know the place. Don't allow that to pull you back indefinitely. But there is wisdom in Jesus' teaching, and it's on display for us as be careful. And so to conclude this message on judging people rightly, it would be a shame, wouldn't it, to hear a passage like this and be like James chapter 1, who goes to the mirror and looks intently in it, no, just glancing at it, and, and says, okay, that's how I look today. And then go off and forget completely how you look. All of us from time to time have planks in your eyes. Are you looking intently into the mirror of God's word to see you have this attitude of self-righteous, demeaning, condescending, unhelpful, hurtful counsel for people? So how do we move forward? Here's a way. Next week, 7 through 12 of, of Matthew 7 is going to be off the charts. Get people here yourself and get others included because it's going to conclude this interpersonal uh, relationship and, and, and in connection with one another. But suffice it to say that a takeaway here would be this. First, Look to the Son for sight. Start with Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. Learn from Him, love Him, adore Him, 
when He shines His bright, searching realities into your heart and you see a mean spirit, critical, dividing attitude, lovingly, happily repent and go to Him for grace and mercy in time of need. We can see things clearly because the sun has risen indeed and He shows us the clarity of interpersonal relationships. And number two, you might want to start with a piece of paper and you can put a vertical line down the center and on this side you can write logs and on this side you can write wishes and then on the one side do a log list and start thinking introspectively with other people's help in the Bible just is there a log or two or ten And you just kind of list them down. And then in verse 12 of our passage that I didn't preach, do unto others as you wish others would do to you. So put yourself in the place of one who has a a sight-hindering, pain-producing, God-belittling kind of sin, like I'm impatient, like I'm fearful, like I'm... I'm, I'm lusting, like I'm greedy, like I, I need help. Wouldn't you want someone to come with clarity of sight and softness of speech into your life? Make that wish list. I would want this, and I would want this, and I would want that. And then you look at the log list and look to Jesus and repent. And then you look at the wish list and say, I'm going to adopt that wholly and fully so that when a brother or sister comes into my life who has an issue, I can move into their life with redemptive, relational, rich grace. And when I look into people's lives and I don't see a brother and sister, but I see a dog or a pig, I might go, hmm, timing at least is not right. Judging people rightly. Beloved, let's grow in grace in so doing, that we care for one another and advance the gospel in our area. Let's pray. Gracious Father, thank you again and again and again for preserving your word down through the ages. Mean-spirited, awful people have tried to take your word and put it into the bonfire, but you have brought it to our laps Help us to continue to look into it and live in it that we will be transformed by your spirit into the image of our precious Redeemer, Jesus. And then help us to move towards each other. Oh, how we need insights. Oh, how we need help. Help us, oh God, to help each other with the pearls of your wisdom. And we pray these things for the sake of your precious name. Amen.